Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. My name is Ken Wise, and I appreciate you tuning in to this episode. This is the second episode in a series I'm doing called Exploring the Texas Revolution. And what I've done is uh, worked with some Texas Historic Commission site managers to interview them about the historic sites they manage and what role they played in the Texas Revolution. And if you listen to the episode on San Felipe de Austin, you know that I'm leaving out a couple of sites that that might seem obvious choices in favor of some sites that may not seem some obvious choices when discussing the Texas Revolution. Uh, And also, these are being recorded and released during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. So there are some restrictions on visiting as you're listening to this, but hopefully those restrictions will be lifted. Uh, It's currently April 2020, so hopefully those restrictions will be lifted soon, and you'll be able to, through these episodes, plan your visit to experience the Texas Revolution maybe a few uh, days or weeks after the actual anniversaries of the event, since the world seems to have been put on hold for the moment. In this episode, I traveled to Washington on the Brazos State Park to interview site manager John Failer on the town of Washington. Now, it was originally founded, and it was called Washington, and one of the earliest residents, about 1821, was Andrew Robinson, and there was a convenient place on the Brazos River to cross, which and such crossings were very important, particularly on the Brazos, and Andrew Robinson moved to the area and started ferry service across that water crossing. And the other advantage that crossing had was it was about a mile below the confluence of the Brazos and the Navasota River. So instead of crossing two rivers, you could only cross one, you only had to cross one at that point. So he set up ferry service. Now before that ferry service was there, that road had been used and that crossing had been used as far back as the 1600s because it was located on the La Bahia Road, which connected Nacogdoches and Goliad. So a great place for a ferry location. Andrew Robinson was an old 300 colonist in Austin's colony, and he ended up getting a Spanish land grant in 1824. In the area that grew up around that ferry crossing was eventually named Washington. Now Washington's role in the Texas Revolution was very interesting because on March 1st, 1836, the convention, as it was called, convened there in Washington. One of the residents had donated an unfinished meeting hall for the purpose, and it was there on March 2nd, 1836, that Texas declared her independence. We also drafted and signed a constitution while there at Washington on the Brazos. So it was a very important place and it, is, it has a visitor center, a museum, and other amenities, as well as the state park. And so please enjoy this interview with Texas Historic Commission site manager, John Failer as we explore the Texas Revolution and get wise about Texas. Jonathan, thanks so much for being on Wise About Texas today. Thank you for having me. 
Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us your background and how you came to be site manager of Washington on the Brazos. Sure thing. Um, my name is Jonathan Failer. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the site manager here at Washington on the Brazos. My background, I was born and raised uh, in the Buckeye State, state of Ohio, the land of uh, the Twin Sisters. So Texans would certainly rec- recognize Twin Sisters, the two cannons that served so well at the Battle of San Jacinto. Those were gifts from the people of Cincinnati and Ohio, and that is a land that I hail from. Um, I moved to Texas in 2012, actually, from the state of North Carolina. I was managing a a historical site on the Outer Banks of North Carolina on Roanoke Island. And I moved here in 2012 to work at um, Barrington Plantation State Historic Site. And um, over the last eight years, have worked my way up through the ranks uh, of the site and and now have the honor of serving as as the superintendent. I um, was not a very good student at the age of 19 or 20, go figure, right? Um, So I'd never finished school and when I uh, came to Texas in 2012 I saw the light and knew that the right place for me to finish my degree was at Texas A&M. So I graduated from Texas A&M while working full-time here at Washington on the Brazos and um, the rest is history. Well you're uh, so what's it like first question I gotta ask you what's it like to be in charge of one of the most important sites in the state of Texas and you're not a Texan? Do you ever get grief for that? I do. You know, that's a great question. Um, I, it's humbling. Um, it, it's every day is an honor for me to to come to work. And when when I meet folks who who are Texans, which is every single day, and when they discover that I am not a native Texan, um, th- there's usually a moment where they kind of take themselves back and wonder, well, how is how is a non-Texan, non-native Texan? running one of our most sacred of of historic sites and for me I feel so connected to the story of Texas because my story of coming here um, to find a better life for myself and for my family is not that different from those people who came here in uh, in the 19th century and when I stand at Independence Hall and look at the 59 names that are on the Texas Declaration of Independence and only two of those names are native Texans. Um, it's a great connection that non-native Texans have to the story of Texas. Um, and it's something that I always encourage folks that we talk to who have just moved from te- just moved to Texas. We know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who move to Texas every month. Uh, and I use that as a point to connect them to the story of Texas and say, listen, you are not that different from those folks who came here for a better life, a new job, a new beginning, um, so that's how I make my connection to Texas um, and my devotion to this state is, is as strong uh, as, as any Texan I've ever met. Well, and it's funny you mentioned Ohio specifically. The listeners, when they hear this, uh, will have heard or could have heard the first of two parts of an episode that I did about the Twin Sisters on Wise About Texas, including the fact that David Burnett, if I recall correctly, lived in Cincinnati for a time. His brother or half-brother was mayor at some point and that was there was a significant connection to Ohio and that's why those cannons came down here and that's why Texas is now was independent is uh, is because of Ohio so I'd say and I can say this as a state official and (laughs) podcaster welcome and we're so glad and you're as Texan as anybody. Um, This podcast by the way we are recording this uh, and we'll release it during the 2020 coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> and uh, so many of our public accommodations are closed uh, 
um, tell us, first of all, what's open here at Washington on the Brazos during this April 2020 timeframe when we're recording. Um, hopefully, many people will hear this um, and make plans to come when it fully reopens. Many will hear it when it's already reopened. Uh, what's open right now? And then go on and describe what's out here on this site. Yeah. So, um, in response to the health crisis that we're all experiencing, um, we have closed all of our indoor facilities. So our visitor center, museum, um, Barrington Plantation, uh, those are all facilities that are closed to visitation. But what we have open, all of our grounds. So we have 300 acres of historic site ground that includes this site where the old Washington town existed, um, our trail system, interpretive signs that are outside, um, our, our, um, our grounds are, are still open for people to, to walk, enjoy, hike, um, get out of the house. Uh, right now there's some blue bonnets and wildflowers um, uh, popping up out of the ground and we've had a lot of folks coming and enjoying those. Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of is uh, from our team is that over the last few weeks, or I should say over the last week, as, as word started coming down that we would be closing our facilities, our folks uh, here started working on any type of material we could provide our visitors um, for them to engage with on their own. So we have a, an audio tour. They've taken that audio tour, turned it into an MP3 file, attached it to a QR code, and placed that QR code at various places out on the town site. So you can scan it with your camera, um, download the audio file, and you can get a, a, a guided audio tour of the town site. Um, We've been really big on pushing social media, so definitely look at us uh, on Facebook and check out some of the work that our team has been doing on providing videos and content for, um, for those folks who, who have chosen to stay home. Um, so right now, grounds are open. We certainly look forward to getting back to full capacity when all of this is over. Yeah, I bet. Well, you mentioned an, a laundry list of facilities that you have out here. You've got quite a mix. Tell the listeners what they'll see if they come to this historic site. Yeah, if you come to Washington on the Brazos, um, Washington is a, is a great example of telling the story of the Republic through the eyes of Washington. And we really have a timeline of experiences here. So if you come to Washington on the Brazos, you're going to engage us in our visitor center, which will be the first place you'll come. You'll get your tickets. You'll take a guided tour of Independence Hall, which is the site. Um, where Texans declared independence from Mexico on March 2nd, 1836. It is a reproduction building, um, as best we can tell, built like the original was, built on the site of the original. Um, so we have that. We have the old Washington town site. There's little that exists of the town of Washington above ground. We have a few old cisterns that people can see from the town. Um, but we have trails and interpretive signs that will help bring that, bring that town to life as best we can. We also have the Star of the Republic Museum. The Star of the Republic Museum is a 10,000 square foot facility full of exhibits that tell the story of the Republic. It's really focuses on that Texas mystique and focuses also on those 10 years that Texas was an independent nation. Um, certainly we'll spend a lot of time in there and a fabulous collection of artifacts from the Republic period. And then we have the Barrington Plantation State Historic Site, which is the, the home of Dr. Anson Jones, the fourth and final president of the Republic of Texas. And it's really his home as it existed after Texas became a state. So we focus on the, the year 1850 and tell the story of agriculture, cotton economy in Texas um, in the early statehood period. So you come to Washington on the Brazos, you're gonna get engaged from the moment Texas became an independent republic to its very early days in, uh, as a state. 
So what was Washington like when it was a town? It really depends on which decade we're talking about. But if well, we're back, back at the Republic days yeah. when we declared independence. So if, if we're looking at 1836, March of 1836, Texas was, or I should say Washington was, a, um, a town of about 120 people, uh, crude log cabins built uh, directly on the ground, dirt floor homes, very rustic, very rough. Um, in fact, uh, one of the finest ex um, accounts of the convention of 1836 is done by uh, a gentleman by the name of William Fairfax Gray, and uh, he hated staying here in Washington. <laughs> he, um, he, he, he called it a rare place for a national convention. He was worried that he wouldn't find any food. He was worried where he was going to stay. And for the people of Washington, welcoming 59 delegates and all of their entourage who come with them, some of them come with translators, some of them come with, with hands that are helping them, um, this was an opportunity for the town to make a little money because all these people need to stay somewhere. So the townspeople were really excited, uh, although there wasn't a lot of accommodation for them. There was Lot's Tavern, which served as a tavern and a hotel. Pamela Mann had a boarding house, so she was renting out rooms. Uh, Mr. Heath had a carpenter shop. And the three Spanish-speaking delegates, Antonio Navarro, um, Jose Ruiz, and Lorenzo de Zavala, they all hung out together and rented Heath's carpenter shop for the 17 days they were here. Um, so the town grew. We had a population of 120, and then all of a sudden, 60-plus new people are here for the course of, of 17 days. So in 1836, Washington was uh, a pretty rough-hewn uh, community. Of rough-hewn people, if Pamela Mann was here. Ab yes. <laughs> episode on her. Yeah. And uh, she was something else. But... Uh, so why did they come here to declare independence on that final convention? Why, why did they come here? So Washington, um, Washington had a, a few things to offer. The Labahia Road, the Labahia Road connected Goliad to Nacogdoches and had been traveled for 400 plus years of documented history. Um, so it had a, a good road. It was a relatively centralized location. Um, and the other thing that Washington was able to offer was they had a large unfinished framed building that was being offered to the convention free of charge. So here we are, um, you know, there were no windows, there was no heat source. Uh, it wasn't done being built yet, but it was being offered to the, to the delegates at no cost. So that certainly is a, a draw. So you, a town builds a convention center and <laughs> offers good deals to the first people to come. That's a familiar story. Yeah, entrepreneurship, to, right? <laughs> you know, 2020 today. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit out of the way. Correct. Santa Ana's Relatively armies. safe place which was great. Um, and there's a ferry landing right down here on the Brazos River. Yeah, that's correct. Andrew Robinson, who was really one of the first settlers here, who was part of Austin's colony, um, sets up here before the town is even built and establishes a ferry crossing at the La Bahia, which is just below where the Navasota and the Brazos River meet, um, which makes a lot of sense. Why cross two rivers when you can cross just one? Yeah, um, so what is preserved? Let let me ask you specifically about Independence Hall. Sure. So that building was built before this became the state historic site. Give us a little history of the site as a historic site. Yeah, so we are one of the oldest um, historic sites uh, recognized by um, local and state government. Uh, Washington on the Brazos got its start as Washington Park in 1916. Um, and it had been run by various committees appointed by uh, the governor uh, over the years before it finally was absorbed by the Parks and Wildlife System 
um, in the, oh, I'm gonna, I want to say sometime in the 50s. Um, so it has been since 1916 public land. Uh, it started off as 49 acres. Today it is a little over 300. And what is preserved there, the building that you see when you come to Washington on the Brazos, uh, the replica of Independence Hall was built in 1969. Um, it's the second reproduction, the first reproduction. Um, uh, historians later found out that's probably not exactly what the building looked like and it wasn't on the original location. So archaeology that took place here in the 60s located the original site and then in 1969-1970 the replica that is there today was built. So they convene on March the 1st, 1836. They declare independence March the 2nd. What else happened here during that time? We know they drafted the Constitution and got word that Santa Ana was coming so they hastily signed and left. Yes. But what else happened during that time here at this site? So during that 17-day convention, they, like you mentioned, they declare independence, they draft and pass a constitution. They also, right before they adjourn, they elect an interim government, um, which is incredibly important. So they, uh, you know, um, gosh, I'm going to, David G. Burnett, excuse me, yeah. Burnett is elected the first president, Lorenzo de Zavala, vice president, mm -hmm. Thomas Rusk, secretary of war, Sam uh, Samuel Carson, Secretary of State. So these are some of the, the names in early Texas history that are, these are people that are here. Um, they, uh, they put Sam Houston officially in charge of, of the Army early in the convention, and then he leaves. So perhaps one of the most famous delegates of all of them is only here for a short period of time. Um, so in that 17 days, which is just remarkable, you, in the midst of revolution, I mean, can remember the Battle of the Alamo has taken place while this is happening, and, and they're communicating with each other. These, these gentlemen here, they're receiving letters. All these letter, letters that Travis is sending out of the Alamo make their way to Washington. So they're aware, although it takes a little time for the news to get here, they're aware of what's going on. And, to, and it's a deeply personal event that's happening. Um, Jesse Grimes, who's a delegate here, he has an 18-year-old son at the Alamo. Benjamin Goodrich has a brother at the Alamo, so it's not like they didn't know the folks who were down there. This is deeply personal, and it's only 180 miles away. Um, so what takes place here is uh, it's really remarkable, and I would bet most people at the time would have never thought it, that they would have accomplished what they did. So what you, with, you have the Independence Hall building, which is sort of sacred ground, kind of. Uh, not just a building, but it's a site and it's a, a place. You have a museum and then you have the plantation. Right. What are the programs that y'all do to, how do you interpret all of those yeah. things for the public? We have an outstanding interpretive team. Um, every day we offer guided tours of Independence Hall um, for, for guests that come in on the hour. If they buy a ticket, we'll give them a, a 30 to 40 minute guided tour of Independence Hall. On the third Saturday of every month at Independence Hall, we have what we're called Living History Saturday. We know most people, um, there's a lot of folks who want to engage in a guided tour, but then there's a lot of people who may not be interested in being captive for 30 to 40 minutes. They want a different type of program. So we offer um, Living History Saturdays, which is our staff will go out, they'll dress in period clothing from the time period, and they will interpret the story and bring, bring to life various parts of the town of Washington during this time. So we may talk about what type of food is, is offered in 1836? You know, what are the people eating? What are the delegates eating? What type of medicine is available to them? What is a soldier's life like uh, during that time? We know many soldiers were passing through Washington on their way to the Alamo. 
So we'll talk about that on the third Saturday of each month. That's at Independence Hall. Um, at the Star of the Republic Museum, we have a myriad of programs, not only educational programs for school groups and, uh, and homeschool families, but also um, on those third Saturdays, we'll do hands-on crafts and, and programs. We have um, an escape room that's it's called the Runaway, uh, the, Runaway, the, one, the Runaway Scrape Escape Room, excuse me. Um, and it's kind of going on this kind of modern trend, but it's trying to escape uh, Santa Ana uh, on the Runaway Scrape. Um, and that's very fun. That's offered uh, usually once a month for families and, and groups to book. At Barrington, Barrington is a living history site. So every day that the Barrington is open, Wednesday through Sunday, um, you're going to step back in time to 1850 and see what life was like uh, here in Texas. Uh, and it's very seasonal. So right now in the spring, corn and cotton have just been planted. We just finished our big plowing program. So the ground was plowed with horses and oxen. And it's that site is so much about not only preserving the buildings and the things, but preserving the lifeways as well. You know, you could look at a plow and know that it's a plow, but most people have never operated one. What was once a life skill is now no longer. Yeah. Um, so, so they very much, the crew there is very much about preserving lifeways as much as they are about objects. Um, so there's programs that happen every weekend there that kind of correlate to the type of work that's happening on the plantation. So that's agricultural work, seasonal work, it might be spring cleaning, it might be candle dipping, it might be plowing and, and you know, hoeing corn or hoeing cotton if you want to come out. And for many people, it's even a nostalgic, you know, especially for our, uh, our older visitors, you know, they remember some of that stuff. It may not be the same time period, but they remember some of those activities growing up in rural Texas. Well, and what a remarkable opportunity to have such intense historical significance on one side of the park and an opportunity to almost live it on yeah. the other side, all in a beautiful setting. Well, okay, design for the listeners their perfect visit to Washington on the Brazos. Well, if you're going to come out um, to Washington on the Brazos, I would highly recommend packing a picnic lunch because what you can do here will no doubt take you a full day. Um, arrive at our visitor center, uh, be greeted by our volunteers and staff, and get oriented to the site, get a map, buy your ticket. Um, take, I would say, if it's hot, if it's going to be a hot day, start at Barrington. Start your morning at Barrington before the sun gets too high in the sky and it gets too hot. Uh, take the guided tour of Independence Hall. And then go inside the Star of the Republic Museum in the afternoon when you want to enjoy the cool and the air conditioning and you want to just cool off and relax. Um, definitely plan to spend a day. We have, um, along the Brazos River, we have picnic shelters and picnic tables. We even have a playscape so that the kids that want to burn some energy, they can go slide and climb and have some fun and run around. We're a site that you don't have to love history to be engaged here. Um, our hope is that you come here, you enjoy the story, um, you feel connected to it, and um, you want to want to go home and learn a little bit more. Well, this is a wonderful asset for the state of Texas and a very significant site for the Texas Revolution and before and after. Um, and so I know that all the listeners join me in thanking you for doing your part to preserve Texas history. And thanks for being on Wise About Texas. Oh, it was an honor. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Wise About Texas. I'm going to give you the address of Washington on the Brazos State Historic Site. It's 23400 Park Road 12, 
in Washington, Texas. That's easier than describing how to get there, but that won't stop me from describing how to get there. You go west out of Navasota, Texas on State Highway 105, turn left on Farm Road 1155, and that'll take you uh, right to it. If you're coming from the west, from Brenham, Texas, go east on 105 to Farm Road 1155 and take right. There are signs, uh, but if you put that address in your GPS, that'll get you there. Hopefully the quarantine will be lifted soon and you can enjoy a day where uh, the Texas Declaration of Independence was signed and the first Republic of Texas Constitution was drafted. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wise About Texas. Like and share our Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Wise About Texas. So go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road. <music>